Hello, and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rao. Uh, Andy, I'm back, and I want to say a special thank you to John and Tim, who came on the podcast last time, to cover for me while I was uh, laid out with COVID, trying to maintain some semblance of, of, of life and living. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I was I was all cagey about uh, why you were not recording, because mm. I didn't know yeah. how much medical detail you wished to share, but <laughs> you know, yeah. at this time in history, I think we can all assume it's covid you know, yeah. uh, or else you're, I don't know, undercover in Europe somewhere. Yeah, that's, that's what I learned this, this time about having COVID is that, um, if you, if you don't say what's going on with you, everybody just assumes that it's COVID. <laughs> but if you say what's going on with you, everybody asks like, but is it also COVID? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it, it's quite fun. Um, yeah, we, we have done in the United States, just an absolute terrible job with communication about, <laughs> about COVID yeah. all around, including our direct like communication with our friends and family about <laughs> what's right, going right. on. So Chris, I got to ask, do you listen to the pod? Do you listen to podcasts when you're not, able to have recorded or like did you listen oh, I, to that I, episode yes i did listen to this last episode i, I kind of figured you know because it was uh you know nominally my podcast i should probably yeah <laughs> probably know what happened on it um yeah it was super fun so for those who didn't listen to the last episode tim came on and opened up a surprise box surprise box box from palladium um which was just like a delight listening to that um yeah, yeah and then yeah and then y'all had a good conversation as well so it was, it was super cool and um, i mean it's it's also there's somewhat a little bit of pride about like being able to listen to your own podcast and being like oh it didn't all fall apart <laughs> just because i was gone for for an episode is that pride or is that a deeply depressing experience when you realize like yeah i'm not i'm not that necessary yeah, yeah i mean it, it is it is a uh, somewhat depressing and they're like okay yeah I'm not. <laughs> maybe maybe i should be sick more often i don't know maybe it was the best episode we've had <laughs> had in years well, anyway, glad to have you back, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Andy, you you had mentioned you had a couple things that you wanted to talk about. I, I've got something that I want to bring up, too. Um, yeah. But, yeah, why don't you go ahead with your stuff? Sure. Uh, all right. So, Chris, we're going to talk about zombies for a minute. Um, <laughs> finally. Yeah, okay. finally. Now that <laughs> Halloween is well past us, I'm going to bring up a, a uh, horror topic to talk about. So, so I recently I was surprised in the mail the other day to get the Walking Dead RPG from a Kickstarter. I had uh, kickstarted and then kind of forgotten about and I guess missed the emails. Uh, so that was a pleasant surprise. This is, it's, it's weird how this keeps happening to, to you <laughs> and me and all sorts of, all sorts of our friends where it's yes. like, yeah. So, well, it's actually, it's been nice because my budget like this year for fun game stuff is way lower than it's been in the past. But I seeded a bunch of Kickstarters like two or three years mm -hmm. ago that are now mm -hmm. coming due. So I'm still getting like the same influx of like games I don't need and will never play. But uh... yeah, <laughs> yes. So, all right. Well, so my topic is, so I, uh, so I've been flipping through that walking dead RPG. It looks pretty neat. And mm -hmm. I've also been to kind of get in the spirit. I've been revisiting the walking dead comic and then watching a few scenes from the walking dead show just on YouTube, mm. just to kind of remember what it was about this show and stuff that was gripping. Cause I used to be into the show. And I, I have been thinking about two ways that that show and some similar shows create drama that I don't know how I would pull off in an RPG, but that feel pretty fundamental to the way that this particular show um, generates tension and drama. Uh, it's not the only show that does this. I think as, as I talk, I think like the Battlestar Galactica TV show pulls some of these tricks. But 
So if, if, if you don't mind, if I just jump in, like one, mm-hmm. one of the ways that the walking dead and similar shows create drama is I mean, most of the drama comes from the people, right? So yeah. as like a lot of great horror shows, the horror is kind of this background element. Mm-hmm. Um, it's lurking in the background being menacing, but the real tension and drama comes from like the decisions that people are, the heroes are making and they're terrible, terrible decisions. Yeah. And what this show, what this show in the comic like really nail is that people can't, people will just always create dumb problems when they don't need to. Now, like in role-playing games, there are many role-playing games over the years that have incorporated, you know, like personal motivations and personal goals with the specific purpose of having those goals conflict with another characters and create drama in-game. So, you know, like we've talked a lot about the alien RPG. Everyone has an agenda that they're following, and the expectation is your agenda is going to run into somebody else's agenda, and voila, tension Mm -hmm. will be created. But like the... Like in like The Walking Dead, it's not that sophisticated. Like it's not that person A has this like long term goal they're pursuing and it gets in the way of somebody else's long term goal. The problem is anytime there's just like five minutes of peace and quiet, someone <laughs> does something just stupid. Like, you know, like what would be we've finally be we've cleared out the zombies, we've established the space, it's all good. All of our problems are gone. All we need to do is just mm-hmm hit cruise control here and enjoy the good life. Like that is when person a decides to whatever fall in love with his best friend's wife. And person Mm -hmm. B decides that they're jealous of the size of somebody else's room that they got. That's slightly bigger than, you know, like it's very relatable when you watch it. It's irritating, but you're also like, yeah, this is, this is probably what would so <laughs> I get I get it. I've had that conversation with my roommate before. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just curious, have you ever seen a, like an RPG that tries to capture that dynamic? Like I feel like it's almost like you're playing D and D and you hand one character a card that just says like do something, just create some stupid problem, right? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, most of the time, I think players are, are pretty good at creating their own, own stupid <laughs> problems. Um, yeah, but I mean, like that's that to me is like right, like like role playing games, right? Like you're kind of always driving towards action, and like I've often found when the game isn't quite working, it's because the players aren't aren't really trying to take actions. Like they're trying to be too safe. They're trying to create that like optimal, you know, optimal community where everything is sort of sorted out and figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like that that is fun, but like as you alluded to like just human nature, like you, you sort of want to blow that up as soon as you have it, um, which is not great. Right. But like, that's, that's also sort of where the drama and where the story and stuff comes from. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think like the, uh, I just, I was thinking about the quiet year, right? Like, and part of the quiet year is, um, when you're, you're playing the game, right? You're kind of like building the story of a community over the course of a year. And like every round you basically flip over a card and that card is creating like a new drama that you have to incorporate into the story. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, cause I think like those downtime activities, like just, you know, we're, you know, we're growing corn, we're harvesting the corn. Like we're, you know, like we're, we're just like going on with life. Right. Yeah. Like that, that isn't super fascinating to watch. Right. Or to like to experience as a story, but it is those points of drama. Um, Right, where you, you do want to be there. You kind of want to see how it's going to shake out and what's going to happen. Yeah. Do you think that a game like D&D would be more fun if you periodically prodded the group to just, on top of their normal adventuring, if they also had a dumb problem? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the uh, I played. Um, it was like a shorter, shorter campaign that I was running with D and D. And like one of the hooks for the story was that they were trying to establish like a trade route between between two towns, like and specifically like an apple apple trading <laughs> trading route. It was like something pretty like low level, right? So they had the like the the threat of like this big bad, right, doing all the the awful stuff, but at the same time they were also trying to sort of maneuver and figure out figure out that that sort of thing. And like that can be a fun problem, I think, for certain certain player types to chew on in the background or to obsess about, right? <laughs> more more yeah. likely. Yeah. Um but yeah, I think I mean I think there is definitely something to that of like, yeah, you have the overarching story, but then you have these like individual um yeah, little like dumb, silly problems. Um yeah, that are just like like almost background noise or like B stories, right? And in terms of like plots, things like that. Yeah. Well, that ties into like the second way that they that these types of story creates drama that I don't know how I would do an RPG. And that is that the disasters often start during like what we would call the downtime of the story, Mm -hmm. not the exciting parts of the story. So like in Walking in Walking Dead, for example, and I, I think we could think of a lot of other examples. Like there are action scenes where people are shooting each other and karate chopping each other and stuff like that. It's all very exciting. But <laughs> yeah. like that's not where the big disasters start. The big disasters like start and this is a very effective like it, as a narrative tool it's effective during the downtime when like someone goes out back to whatever to take the trash out and then a zombie that was missed by them earlier bites them and because they didn't lock the door behind them, the zombies like get into the building. And because they didn't tell someone who that they were taking a break or something like that, they're like, you know, the problem isn't noticed the way it would normally be noticed. And then mm-hmm. it just it casts a bunch of mundane things like that cascade into the big action scene of like now there's zombies all through the building and like we're in mm-hmm. serious trouble. Yeah. And I was just thinking about that because the those scenes it's very effective to read and it's very effective to watch the like you know the um increasing like the threat and the the danger just start to balloon for, because these mundane things kind of add on to each other and make until it's a really big problem. And this is normally the sort of scene I would like skip over in an RPG or relegate at most to like a like a quick montage like okay Mm -hmm. you take the garbage out you know you switch the guards you you take care of that mundane stuff or whatever so i'm just wondering like how might you do you think that you could pull off that mundane like screw up that that cascades in an rpg or is that just not something an rpg is gonna do very well hmm that's a really good question i think there is an element of like in the walking dead, you have a story that's being told from sort of one point of view that you, you as a, you as a reader, right. Can't exactly influence necessarily. Right. Mm -hmm. So like those cascading series of events happen, even though like maybe if you were as a player, you might've been like, Oh, like let's, you know, take care of that before it's a problem. Yeah. Um, right. So I think that's why, at least for me, like that's why I would tend to lean towards like, you know, a dragon shows up, right? Like that's something that you can't 
it's not like a, I don't know, like, yeah, a kobold comes and unlocks a door and then, yeah. you know, like opens that up and then they all, they all get inside and then they flag the dragon down, right? Like there's like, you know, those steps and stuff you can sort of just, yeah, skip over. Like you were saying, you just sort of skip over to like the, the big event, like the big thing. It's, it's not like, yeah, a zo- one zombie gets in. It's like the horde of zombies rush in. Right. Um, and I think like, you know, I think you're onto something there that like the, the drama and the tension of, of, of it being like a slow build is, is much more fascinating. Right. And does sort of ratchet it up. I think there's also like an element of like, Oh, if we had noticed that this was happening early on, like we could have stopped it from happening, but like now it's too late. Like now the whole town is overrun and now this like, you know. You know, the cannibal death cult is inside the, inside the right, community right. now, right? Um, yeah, so, like, yeah, I think the, I think you're, the way you would do it is exactly what you were saying, I think, right? Like, maybe you just, you, you know, like, they've just finished some sort of, like, part of an adventure, and it's like they are in a downtime, and maybe you just seed in a bunch of, like, small mundane things that could be hooks into a, a worse thing happening, hmm. right? You yep. know, or, like, give them too many things, like, so they have to make a choice. It's like... Oh, like you need to take out the trash and like right, just like chores, right? You need to take out the trash and like cook dinner and like do do this, that, and the other. And it's like depending on what they choose, then the thing that they didn't do is the thing that brings it. <laughs> brings oh, them that's an interesting way to do it. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I suppose if you were just kind of faithful about periodically putting the spotlight on a mundane scene or two, you could you could earn the right to the earn the right and the ability to pull this off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you want to be like, you know, every night it's like, oh, well, you forgot to tell me that you're going to go take out the trash, right? Did you do the take out the trash check or whatever? Yeah. yeah. But like, yeah. But I mean, I think maybe like, yeah, giving them, you know, giving them sorts of like little things to think about like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's got to be done in a way too that it doesn't feel like it's like, oh, I gotcha. Like, right. Like there was, there's, you know, five of you and there's six things to do and just whatever one you didn't choose yeah. is the one that you got, uh, got hammered on. But I wonder if you could, you know, how fun it would be to just invite the PCs to build that out for you. Like, say you're the GM, you roll on like the random events table and it's like, whatever the cannibal cult gets into your base, sneaks into your base. What if you, so that's the problem the PCs have to deal with. What if you were then like, okay, how did the, how did the cult get in the base? Like what's the, what's the simple mistake at the very top of this chain of events that results in a bunch of cannibals in your base? Yeah. Oh, that's a good, that's, yeah, that's good. Right. Cause it's like, you know, if you have players that are bought into the fiction of like, yes, we are playing this game and there's like, we, we sort of want there to be, <laughs> be the zombie influence. Yeah. Like at some point, like, yeah, ask them how they want it to happen. Like, why not? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think you could also, you could do lots of fun stuff too. So like, even if it's like, you know, maybe everybody goes off and do, does chores separately. And then you have that, that magic moment that every GM wants, which is they've split the party five different ways, right? Yeah. Everybody's yeah. doing something different. And it's like, what if every single one of those results in them, them each one-on-one finding a zombie coming in? It's like, like, okay, like, what are you going to do? It's like, we can try to call this person over, but like, they also have a zombie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. That they're dealing with. Right. And it's like, okay. So like, there's a bigger, a bigger threat at hand. So you could almost like, you know, you could take it from like zero to a hundred with all these really small moments pretty fast. It occurs to me, you could combine these two things too. I mean, if you, if you get the players to just kind of throw out a variety of dumb problems that they've created, you could periodically one of those is going to make for the good, you know, because somebody got in an argument over a chess game with another person, they stormed out and they took the key to the car with them. And now mm-hmm. 
as a result, you can't, you know, then that caused this problem. And mm-hmm. I, I wonder if you could, um, if you and the players have been like just throwing drama out from time to time, you can, you would have uh, materials a GM you could grab with and be like, all right, which one of these problem, of these dumb problems that we've been creating is, could, could I think of a way to lead to the cannibal cult being inside the compound, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's, okay, we're fully spitballing here, but now I'm wondering about, like, you know, like, so, like, introducing, um, you know, a party to a new town, I feel like can be, can be difficult, because it's like, you know, like, especially if it's a town that's sort of just, like, another town, like, you've just been, you, you've just been in, but you could almost just ask them, if you're okay with doing stuff a little bit more narrative-focused, it's like, tell me, like, one one thing you notice, one, like, positive thing you do, and one thing you've done to create drama, hmm. right? And it's like, you could almost build out a, build out a town that way. It's like, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, yeah. you know, I, I noticed that, like, this town has, like, ten blacksmiths all in a row. Like, that's, <laughs> that's interesting. Like, you know, I, um, like, yeah, went to the tavern and met this cool new NPC. And, like, you know, then the bad thing is, like, I don't know. Like, I, I pissed off the mayor, right? Like, right. you know, like, wh- whatever that is, right? And then, you, so you have all those little bits, those little bits to play with right there. I mean, I think you could even, you could even role play out individual elements from that. I mean, like, taking taking sort of a page from Blades in the Dark, which I think does this really well with downtime. Like, you can you can role play those downtime activities of, like, yeah, like what what does it look like when you go and satisfy your vice? Like, right? Like, tell me tell me about that. And like, then we're gonna roll, and then it goes poorly, and it's like, well, let's narrate that. Like, maybe now you have a new enemy NPC NPC out there, right? Because you you sort of had to go do this action. It didn't go well. Yeah. I like it. Okay, yeah. good yeah. food for Chris. <laughs> hey, thanks okay. for thanks for indulging me while I kind of uh, talked out my current little zombie phase mm-hmm. here on the show. So yeah, do you think, are you going to try to run like a full, full campaign of the walking dead or you think you're just going to do a one shot? What's your, Oh, uh, that's a good question. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really see. I, d- I don't really think I have the players or the opportunity right now to run a campaign, yeah. but I bet I could get some people together for a one shot. So yeah, that's for sure. fun. Yeah. I bet you five years ago, you might've been able to easily get, <laughs> get, but I think we're currently the zeitgeist has moved on from zombies a bit it, right now, but maybe it has. Back. It's, yeah, it's the, uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I am glad that, uh, you know, free league in this case came out with this game, but it's certainly not the first kind of art franchised RPG that has come out like four to five years after the thing was big, you know, and <laughs> yeah. I, I totally get it. I mean, these are, it's hard. It's really, really hard to do things quickly in this mm-hmm. when you're dealing with the big corporations that own story copyrights. But it has happened with Star Wars. It's happened with Lord of the Rings. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah. But yeah, yeah. it's all right. Uh, you know, the time of zombies will come back again in whatever thirty years. <laughs> and then. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, all right. So I had one thing that I wanted to talk with you about, and we've I've, I've sent you a couple messages along along these lines, but. I have a video game recommendation for you, and I wanted oh. to do this on air because I think this is a game that uh, a number of our listeners might enjoy as well. So okay. I have been playing this game called Tunic, uh, okay. T-U-N-I-C, like the, um, yeah, like the article of clothing. And so Tunic stars this little adorable fox, uh, fox character. Um, if, you, if you take any look at it, you will see that it is very obviously um, Zelda-inspired, right? So it's, it's a game that is like inspired by like kind of classic top-down top-down Zelda adventure games. Um, but you play as a little fox, uh, and you, it is, it also has a lot of, uh, like dark Soulsy like, um, combat elements to it okay. as well. 
so this is like I'm, you know, <laughs> yeah, this is this is your game, Andy. <laughs> I'm, I'm already sold. Like, yeah, I'll yeah. already be getting this game. Yeah, um, but I uh, so I, I will try not to spoil it too much. But it does um, a really some really fascinating things with um, with sort of like revealing mechanics to you throughout the game. Um, so I ran into this phrase called uh, knowledge base games recently and these are the sorts of games where like once you sort of know what's going on like a lot of the game is unlocked for you hmm. but a big part of the game is trying to figure out what's going on hmm. um you know so like you can think about this in terms of like maybe like mist or you know some of those point and click adventure games if you know exactly like if you've already figured out what you know like how to solve each of those puzzles you can just go and speed run it you can just click through everything and you're, you're done in 10 minutes yeah. um, but right like the whole the whole part of the game is like learning learning how to do those things. Um, but what Tunic does extremely well is like, there's a couple things in the game that you, you learn at like these midway points in the game. So like it, it feels like it's almost three separate experiences, right? So you have like the dark souls combat stuff and then, then something changes. You learn a little bit of information and it like kind of opens up, opens up the world, the world in front of you um, in a way that it's just like, it's so clever. I don't want to give anything, anything away if anyone's going to play it, but yeah. So yeah, my recommendation, yeah, pretty strong recommendation to give that a try. Uh, yeah, I think, I think you'd enjoy it quite a bit. And, um, one, one part of it that you, you see really early on in the game. So I don't think this is a big spoiler is that you collect pages of an instruction booklet as you're Uh going through the game. So like, this is old school. Like you remember NES, you know, like that, that yeah. era of gaming you'd get an instruction booklet with the game and like that instruction booklet would actually give you information that you you really needed <laughs> that wouldn't yeah. be inside the game because there's no tutorial yeah or anything Chris, like were that. you the right age to like have grown up just pouring over those things yes yeah absolutely yeah so i think I'm, I'm a little bit younger than you like i have vivid memories of like getting a getting a game right before we went on a camping trip or something like that and like being so bummed that I couldn't bring my Nintendo <laughs> with me. Yeah. So I would just bring the instruction booklet and just read it cover to cover. Like just over and over and over. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so it, it really captures that, uh, that mentality too. Right. So I think it would not hit it at all for, you know, someone who's younger, <laughs> quite a bit younger who never did that. But well, it just reminds me, I was playing a couple of years ago. I was playing and talking with you, I think I was playing, was it Super Metroid? Is that the Metroid that came out for the mm-hmm. SNES? Anyway, yeah. I was playing Super Metroid, and and because I did not have a instruction manual, I had trouble with the game, because mm-hmm. I didn't realize, I, I don't remember exactly. I I think there's a mechanic for like running really fast, right? Yes. Yeah. And I didn't know that, and it wasn't something oh, no. <laughs> that I that I could just intuitively figure out just by pressing buttons. Mm-hmm. And so I just got stuck. I just hit a wall because there's sections of that game where you have to run fast. It's built into the puzzles and environments. And um, and then at some point I, I Googled or maybe I just talked to you and it was like, oh, OK. <laughs> yes. All right. I don't I mean, I had been like scouring the map, you know, traveling, backtracking everywhere, trying to figure out, like, how do I what am I missing <laughs> to get across that? Oh, I just need to press B yeah. and left at the same time. Got it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Not not a puzzle that they necessarily thought was going to be a puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, but nonetheless. Um, yeah, so to, to tie this back to, to tabletop games, I think like, so to me, what this has me thinking about a lot is like, kind of like the, the layers that you can have in a story, right? So like it's, you know, you can have the layers you can have in a story and then especially with like handouts and stuff, like, I mean, I think the if there's a way to like build into your game um, ways that your, your handouts or your props and stuff that you give to people, like, like they, the meaning of them kind of changes 
based on like information that they get later on. I mm. think that can be a really cool moment. Right. And I, I think we've certainly like, I've certainly experienced this too, where it's like, you're, you are, um, my GM, Matt does a really good job with props and stuff. Like we're like, sometimes you're like, okay, now we have all this stuff. We need to kind of put it together and figure that out. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just, it's got my brain going a lot about like how, how might you do stuff like that? Uh, in, in a tabletop game where it's like, oh, this piece of paper that I thought was just giving me one piece of information is actually giving me two or three hmm. throughout, throughout the game. So, all right. There's that sounds great. I'm going to have to I'm gonna have to play that partly just so that we can talk more specifically, even in, mm-hmm. in private, if we don't want to spoil it for our yes. listeners, about what you're talking about. Because I'm intrigued, I'm intrigued by the idea. I, I have to say, just from listening to you talk, I am having a hard time understanding what that experience would look like in a tabletop game, but I'm yeah. intrigued to find out more. So, yeah, it's, it's tough. Cause like, I don't, I don't want to say anything cause it, it would just spoil, <laughs> spoil <laughs> a major, major part of it, major okay. part of it. But yeah, uh, yeah, we'll, you'll have to give the game a try and then we can, we can talk <laughs> privately about it, but yeah, that sounds um, great. Okay. So, all right, yeah. I'm going to play that and listeners, you go play tunic as well. And then we'll yes. see you back here in two weeks. So, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll say there's uh, some really good accessibility options. So this is one thing that like totally diverged from tabletop games, but, um, something that video games have been getting better about are like difficulty settings, I think. So like tunic has a way to play the game where the, the combat difficulty is not as punishing as it might be otherwise. Right, and I think that that can be a, a good thing. I think there's even a, a way you can play it where you you actually can't die at all, which can be nice yeah. too. So if you just want to experience like the, the the puzzles and the story and stuff like that, you don't have to necessarily also become um, you, you don't necessarily have to get good as well on yeah. top of that. So, well, but, you know that is uh, we don't have to have a big discussion about this, but I, mm-hmm. I've actually been thinking about accessibility in tabletop games lately. Oh, as okay. as is often the case, you know, accessibility is one of those things that you don't really become an advocate for it until you yourself start getting inconvenienced mm-hmm. in some way by it. Yeah. And that's not great, but like, it's just how people work, I guess. But mm-hmm. for me, I um like my eyesight isn't what it used to be. Mm-hmm. And man, I, I got a relatively new RPG the other day and a gorgeous, like 400 page, you know, full color hardcover book. And the, the font is so small. It gets so small and oh, the, that's disappointing. Like the yeah, it's just like uh, who did you not like just pass this to a couple of people to look at it before you sent it to print? Because hmm. I have a hard time. You know, I mean, I mean, I'm not trying to. Uh, uh, you know, feel free to play the world's smallest violin for me here. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. I will survive. But it did make me think. Uh, you know, accessibility in like written printed tabletop games is not something I know much about. Mm-hmm. Now that I have bumped into my first accessibility issue, the prevalence of small print, I mm-hmm. kind of want to educate myself about what it would mean for a rule book to be really more um, fully accessible. So Yeah. Oh, that is a whole fascinating topic. I, I We should maybe try to find an expert or something who does accessibility and like knows knows about gaming yeah gaming as well I, I don't know if there's any accessibility like gaming um people out there oh but i, I, think that I am would, sure that, there are and if you're yeah. listening and you know who mm-hmm. we should reach out and talk to please let us know because I, I would love to yeah. have that conversation yeah i think that'd be a really good conversation because i think it, for me the, for me where this comes up is you know so like when i have players that like have like you know, adhd or something like that it's like you know, like there are, there are for sure ways to play games. Um, I think that can like, that can work better for people. Right. And I think if you're, if you're like baseline, it's just like, Oh no, the way to play games is everybody gets like this stack of books. Everybody reads it exactly the same, has the same knowledge and everything. Like, I think it just, it doesn't work for, 
for a lot of people. And it's yep. like, well, I mean, there's there's lots of ways to play games, and I think there's lots of ways we can bring people in into the hobby as well, where it, it doesn't it doesn't need to be this like this daunting process oh. as well. Yeah. So I mean, if you if you're like your eyesight is the thing that's stopping you from playing games, like that is like that's awful, right? <laughs> like we should, yeah, yeah, we should be able to address that. So, yeah. Okay. Let's yeah. let's. Let's put a pin in this and plan on mm-hmm. having this conversation when we find someone who knows yes. more than we do about it. Yeah. So. Okay. Cool. All right. Um, so I'm going to roll under table real quick. We have got a couple minutes. I think we can we can talk about a topic. Oh yeah, for fast, sure. So. Yep. All right. All right. I have rolled a six. A six, Chris. The topic we will be discussing today is what questions do long term <coughs> campaigns raise that RPG rule books do not address. <clears throat> this is interesting this is interesting yeah. and it might be a little challenging um wh- who who among us has run a long-term campaign do you have a long-term campaign you can tell me about uh, i don't have a long-term campaign like recently that i can do, that i can tell you about I, i've played in a few few long-term camp long-term campaigns that you know span multiple years um right so the the gaming group that i'm with um right now like we've we've played a number of those those sorts of campaigns and then i did I ran. I mean, I'm sure longtime listeners are sick of sick of hearing about it, but I ran. I ran a long term lunchtime campaign mm-hmm. um, as well. So I've got I've got some some stuff I think I can say say about this. What about you? Like, when when do you feel like is your last like long term campaign that you? Yeah, run? my last long term campaign would be the Cthulhu one I'm running now. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't yeah. say it's exactly weekly. Um, mm-hmm. so there's sometimes gaps between games, but it's been running all year, and mm-hmm. I, I think it has moved into the category of long term campaign. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that, maybe that's a good a good thing to define, real quick. Um, right, uh, taking a taking a page out of the splat book. Like, let's define our terms here. Um, but yeah, so I guess for me, long term is well, it's obviously longer than like a one shot. I think this is this is anything where you are you're running a game sort of with the intention of telling a story beyond three to five sessions. Right, it's not just like a let's let's get together and play this thing real quick and move on to the next thing. It's like oh, we're gonna be in this world for for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Would for me, and I that? would, I would add to that, like, um, long-term campaign is one where you expect kind of the character, character growth and development, um, mechanically speaking, as well as narratively mm. to yeah. be something that you are engaging with. Um, mm. you know, I've run an awful lot, I've run and played in an awful lot of like, you know, three session mini campaigns that kind of stop right at the point where if we were to keep going, we would all like take a minute and level up or, Im- yes. or take divvy out some experience points or something like that. Yeah. That's a good way to think about it too. Yeah. Like, yeah. In D and D terms, it's like, yeah. Anything where it's like, you're expecting to go from level whatever to another level <laughs> mm-hmm. by the time you're done. Um, yeah. Cause I think like when lately when I've run D and D it's very much been like a, okay. So like you're going to be level whatever five, Right. And like, that's, that's the extent of the conversation. It's not like a, you know, like we're going to go from five to 10. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, um, I have to say well, one, one worry I have as we discuss this topic is that, is that, uh, many times in my gaming life, I have said something like, man, like, why doesn't D and D have rules for blank? And then some will be like, <laughs> yeah. oh, it's like, it's actually in the DM, the dungeon master's yeah. guide. And I'll, <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll be just completely called out as someone that has not read the Dungeon Master's Guide, yeah. and uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> maybe a hundred percent of anything I mention on this in this discussion is has a whole chapter in the Dungeon Master's Guide that I will never see and never read. So, 
Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 interesting though. I mean, I think like with with tabletop gaming in particular, at least at least in the style of um, the part of the hobby that we sort of exist in, I think there is this this knowledge that like you are not going to just stick with the books, right? Like, there's going to yeah. be like like the reading of the reading blog posts and watching YouTube videos and listening to podcasts is sort of like also part of part of everything. So part of me is like, well, okay, like we're going to answer this question. And like, now we have addressed it. Right? Like, <laughs> like now right. you have an answer for some of the yeah. long-term, you know, <laughs> uh, long-term questions, um, that, that campaigns bring up. Uh, but yeah. So, I mean, I think like, yeah, like maybe we could talk a little bit about like, um, some of the stuff that, that sort of hits with a long-term campaign yeah. after a little bit, um, that is like, yeah, the, somewhat more common things. Uh, well, well yeah. I can, I can, lob one out there right at the front so the by far thinking of my cthulhu game Mm -hmm. by far the sink the topic i have spent the most amount of time researching and trying to figure out and solve on my own has been how do i keep track of all of this information over the long term by far Mm -hmm. that is the that is uh not touched on in any rule book i've ever read like and i understand why it's a complicated thing to talk about but uh, i've spent i don't know hours and hours like scouring the internet for scouring reddit threads and things like that for tips people have about like what did they do that worked for them mm-hmm. and like uh both specifically because as we've talked before money masks of Nyarlathotep, which has 10 trillion npcs and 10 trillion Mm -hmm. clues and um so i mean i have i have my through my own efforts and not through any help from like the rule book or anything else have figured out a system that mostly works for me that i don't Mm -hmm. love it's pretty good i guess and (laughs) yeah i mean what i need is for someone like you know it doesn't even have to be in an rpg context for someone to sit me down and just like help me understand how human brains work how we remember (laughs) stuff and like what are given my personality traits what are what are going to be the best ways to just like keep track of info so i don't Mm. know there's my there's mine i'm going to toss out there has nothing to do with any rules Mm -hmm. entirely to do with like game management yeah well i mean i think that's where where a lot of the problems sort of arise honestly with with that like you know like what what information did i tell people like you know like what's what's true, what's not, like, what's been, you know, like, what have they done? Like, even, right, and I think there's a lot of, like, software solutions to that that are just, like, unless that works for your brain, yep. like, just don't even don't even bother. Yeah, I mean, I know that, that's what I've been doing. I've been trying every software solution mm-hmm. out there, learning mm-hmm. that the majority of them do not work with my brain, and then kind mm-hmm. of ultimately settling on one that sort of does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's okay. I mean, that sounds yeah. like a success if you found Oh, yeah, I, I feel good about it. I'm not really complaining, yeah. but... Uh, yeah, have you ever played or read like a, a murder mystery, like one of those like you know murder mysteries in a box sorts of sorts of things? I have, you know, it, this is crazy, but I never, I never have. Uh... You know, maybe maybe if, like next time we do like a roll for Topicon or something like maybe the night before we should do a murder mystery. I think I think one of those would be pretty fun, fun that to play with a bunch great, of yeah. bunch of role player like role playing game people. But um, one thing that the ones that I've read before that they do that's pretty fascinating is like, so each person, you know, you get sort of a character when you walk in into there, but they, they all like the format that I've seen is like, you have sort of like these facts 
listed for your character. Mm-hmm. You know that you uh, that's like you know during the first part of the evening, like this is the fact that you you can tell people about, and then the next, you know, the next part of the, the evening is like the second fact, and like finally, like, the, like there's a third round of it, right? And then then it becomes sort of like obvious who's who's done it. Yeah. And stuff. But like, I'm like, you know, especially with something like with a long term campaign, it's almost like you, you sort of want these like NPC cards where it's like you're almost checking off, like, I have revealed this information, <laughs> right, about this yeah. person. And then you have them all sort of arrayed in front of you. Um, but I mean, like, just with, especially with mass, like, by the time you get to the end of that campaign, like, there's just so many things going on. Yeah. Um, with so many different, different characters. Um, you know, like, and I've played in that, and I'm sure we didn't even touch on everything that, that this um that the the story has to offer yeah um you know it's i feel like i have seen it once or twice in my life like adventures that had like a little checkbox you know mm-hmm. published adventures that had a series of checkboxes that's like these are the clues they can get in this scene check off the ones they mm-hmm. did and that is like a very small step in a good direction it's not mm-hmm. really sufficient it's not not really sufficient but it's it hints at like uh, presenting the information in published adventures in a way that's kind of designed for um, like record keeping as well mm-hmm. as just um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, I mean I think like yeah. So each each sort of GM and I think game sort of needs to solve that <laughs> solve that for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that like there's like two two things that came up like reading this like so one is just the basic act of like scheduling. I think like. I haven't really seen a rule book address scheduling stuff super well. Cause like, especially like when it gets to down to like real world stuff, like, so like there has been, so I have, I have two kids. Um, both kids were born during a Cthulhu based campaign <laughs> that, <laughs> that I was playing in. Um, right. So like, Ill, but yeah, yeah, it does bode ill. Um, yeah. So Matt is not allowed to run, <laughs> run any more of those. Uh, but like, yeah. So, I mean, like, there's, like, a very real real world thing that, like, when we started those campaigns, that wasn't necessarily going to happen, right? And then, like, so now all of a sudden, me as a player, like, I have to just be gone for gone for a while, right? So, like, yeah. I think when you're playing these long-term campaigns, you have sort of these, like, real-life stuff that happens that can kind of take people in and out. Like, sometimes it's just the holidays and you can't get together for a few months, right? Um, like, and, like, that is, I mean, it's the joke, right, that the, the real boss of any TTRPG is scheduling. Yeah. Um, but it's, like, such a real thing. And I think, like, when you're playing a long-term campaign, there can be this extra pressure on it of, like, but if we can't schedule, like, we can't finish finish the thing, right? So it's, like, I mean, I think there's the scheduling part of it, but then there's also the, like, sticking the landing part of it as well mm. yep. with a long-term campaign. And, like, I think w- I haven't seen a lot of adventures or any adventures sort of give lots of good stopping points in the adventure of like, Oh, if it's, if your last session is going to happen halfway through the book, like this is how you could take it. Oh, or like three quarters of the book. Like this is how, this is how it could end. Or like, if you'd only have time for a one shot, like just do this part of it. Um, like that. And I think that's, that's an opportunity, um, for, yeah, for, for an adventure, like, yeah, any, any sort of campaign to, to have, have some of those more, those jumping off points or those conclusions built in. So are there, so we've discussed, I, I, I do think that the, the biggest answers to this question are going to be those like questions related to the met outside the game meta organization and planning parts mm-hmm. that's the hard part that like rule books haven't solved and almost none of them really take a crack at solving them which is fine are there like 
types of rules, like actual rules, where you have ever been in a game and you've been like, this this would be so helpful if by now we had a system for figuring <laughs> out this. That like, you know, uh, like so, mm-hmm. like here's one. I don't know that this is a problem I have run into, but like there are games out there that put some energy into like in-between adventures downtime, right? Mm-hmm. Or like a game like Pendragon, which kind of uh, has an elaborate system for assumes you are adventuring for you know like once a year and has an elaborate system for progressing your character through the rest of the year um Mm -hmm. i'm just curious like have you have you ever wished there were rules that just weren't there you know not not really i'm i'm relatively comfortable like making making up rules or like you know making making a call to put at the table so it's it's pretty rare that i'm like Oh, like I just, I really wish there was a whole system, Mm -hmm. system design for this. There's definitely been many times, probably once a session where I'm like, I wish this book was laid out better, but that's just (laughs) right. Yeah. Right. Like that's just like, I mean, laying out a role-playing game book is is, is a difficult task. I think like for me, the the things that arise are like, it's almost like player specific stuff. It's like, Hey, this player is really interested in this, this part of the system that no one else is right. Like in like some of those, like interpersonal dynamic things those crop up the longer that you play with the same group you know especially in the same campaign because it's like well i mean like what are you going to do like if every time every time that there's a a combat situation like one person is trying to like everybody else has their weapons out and one person is trying to like manipulate Mm -hmm. you know manipulate the the guards to to stand down it's like well i mean clearly like everybody wants to fight except for you but I also like like what you're trying. So like, what you know? How do we how do we negotiate that? Yeah. Um, negotiate that well. And I feel like that is something that is if there's anything addressed in a rule book, it's often just like a you know like well just like you know talk about it outside of the game. But it's like well I don't know like maybe the game could offer some some better paths forward for that too. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, it's also occurring to me. I wish that um, I. I wish that there were ways to kind of, um, I don't know even how to word this, to build like a character's kind of, uh, I don't know, to show how they are interacting with the setting outside of adventures or in between Mm -hmm. adventures in a way that's like more detailed and meaningful than rolling on a few charts of like, did you get married? Did you, was your business successful? That sort of thing, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And what I would love to see is, you know, like for each type of character, you know, like what, what are you doing? Like what, what are you doing that kind of cements your place in this setting that Mm -hmm. outside of adventuring? So whatever, if you're, it's a sci-fi setting and you're whatever, you're a, a smuggler, right? A smuggler. That's a fun character class. It's probably super fun to play in adventures. So, but I would like, what's, what's going on with that smuggling? Like, why are you a smuggler? You're not a, yeah. you're a smuggler because that's what you do mm-hmm. before you got involved in this dumb adventure. So <laughs> like, let's, um, you know, what does that look like? Can we roll up some, like some smuggling runs and some, mm-hmm. like, can we montage our way through your real job, your day job, I guess. Like that's, yeah. that's the sort of system I would enjoy seeing. I don't mm-hmm. know that, you know, I, I can't say that I, I'm a little bit in the land of like, kind of just thinking up something that would be fun. I can't say mm-hmm. I've, I've ever needed 
this rule or this systems, but yeah, I mean, it's clearly something you're thinking about though. Like, yeah, you've, you've brought it up. Like, and I think there, there's a lot to be said, said for that. Like, I mean, even going back to the beginning of a conversation, like talking about the walking dead and like zombie games, it's like, I think there's, there's something to be said about those, like those in between times in between, in between the action. Yeah. Right. And I think in a long-term campaign, you have more opportunities to do that. Whereas a one shot, you might just be like, like, we're just exploring the system or the space or the, you know, like the narrative, right. Real quick. And then we're kind of in and out. Whereas with a long-term campaign, yeah, I think you can like, you can make some decisions about like, yeah, who did you, what did you smuggle? Who did you smuggle it for? Like, you mm-hmm. know, what's, you know, what if we run into them five sessions from now? Like, yeah. You know, I mean, it's you know. obviously great fodder for the GM to play with, you know? Um, so Yeah. Um, well, we should wrap it up. Um, I, I do want to say that you probably need to listen to the latest Splatbook episode. Um, okay. So they, uh, so Splatbook is our sister, our sister podcast. The, we're both part of the Roll for It Media Podcasting Network. Um, they just had an episode about the the five E version of the Lord of the Rings. Ah, um, yes, yeah, Lord of the Rings tabletop game that uh, Free League put out. Um, and uh, I I was surprised at how. Um, positive they were (laughs) were about this this system but one thing that they mentioned is that it it does have some really good rules for for sort of your your downtime in that like if you need to take a take a long rest like if you need to recover you have to go to like rivendell and spend months of like in-game time recovering like just like when you're reading lord of the rings right like when they're in rivendell or lothlorien like right they're there for like a season yeah you know like so it's it's similar to uh, it sounds like it's similar to pendragon where it's like you like real actual time passes when you need to do these these activities and like so like that that then there's a whole sort of like system system in place for like what do you do during that downtime activity and like the the one thing that they mentioned that stuck out to me was um like maybe you write a song for the whole time, oh, yeah. the whole time you're there. It's like, I mean, yeah. Talk about something that's like never going to come up in D and D other than like a bard making a, making up a silly song. Yeah. You no, know, but like, that's a huge part yeah. of the story. So it's part of D. Yeah. It's a massive part of it. Like, yeah. Like when they go in, I'm sorry, I just, I just read fellowship. So this is like all, yeah. all very much in my mind, but like when they're in Rivendell for the first, like, yeah, in Rivendell, like Bilbo is there and he's just like sitting off in a corner for most of, most of their, their time there, like thinking up a song. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And just writing it. And like, he pulls Aragorn aside at some point and it's like, yeah, like help me out with this verse and stuff. And this is the sort of thing. Like, yeah. Like if you are like, Oh, we just fought a bunch of orcs. Like we're taking a long rest and then we're going to get back to fighting some orcs. It's yeah. Like, well, you know, what if it's, you have to go to Rivendell. Cause like, yeah, you have gotten a mortal wound that you need to be, <laughs> you need to be healed of. Oh yeah, totally. So, Okay. Anyway, all right. All right. Yeah. Well, go listen you, to the I didn't really book. need convincing. I'm a little behind on my splat book listening, but I was going to yeah. get to it. But I'm yeah. going to have to bump this up. And I, I did see some excited and nervous chatter about what was going to happen on that episode as they looked at <laughs> a five E uh, book. Yes. So I'm pleased to yeah. hear it was a really productive. Comment. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So go go check them out at thesplatbook.com. Um, yeah, that's with with John and Kyle. They are wonderful. Um, all right. Well, I think that does it for us. Uh, yeah. So the the next few episodes from us are going to be our annual holiday special event where we both build Ooh. a dungeon and then play a dungeon live on air. So uh, look forward to those. Um, I think they like this episode's going to go live on Thanksgiving, and then we have sort of those those two episodes to close out the year, and then we'll we'll <laughs> we'll be back to our normal scheduled uh, stuff in twenty twenty four, which yeah. is a real year that we are going to live through <laughs> <laughs> and not a fake fantasy year <laughs> yeah okay well, all right well i've been chris alsman i've been andy rail remember if your players are having fun you're a great gm 